0: It's Fire Away Friday Friday. on Exploring the Word. This is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit facebook.com slash exploring the word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio.
1: I think most of you know that number. (laughs) <laughs> by now, but some of you may not. Some of you have it on speed dial. That number is 888 589 Friday. We love to take your Bible questions, so call in. Uh, we, our lines are wide open right now marty's ready to receive your call tell him what the subject is and uh we want to share that with you alex it's been a great week but part of this great week is because truth for youth bible week it's always a good week when we do this isn't it
2: well it really is and Bert, it's great to be with you on this fire friday the number 888 but i've been thinking all week about tim todd and the truth for youth bibles folks these are so wonderful these these bibles that are uh, design, the cover is very appealing, and the gospel, the story of Jesus, and then many other important issues from a biblical worldview, they're in here in, you might say, a comic book form, but it's really a graphic novel. That's what they are really called, and kids read them. They can't put them down. Bert, I'm just going to say it. what What is in the Truth For Youth Bible, it is the Word of God, printed text on a page, but the, the story part is the very same quality as, like, Marvel Comics, yeah. which, trust me, the kids are big time into. And so we would ask you to go to the website Truth4Youth. Uh, is it .org? .org? Not, no,
1: it is .com, truth for I'm Youth. sorry. Yeah, and the 4 is F-O-R, and that number is 833-574-1600. And we want you to hear a testimony. Uh, Brent has picked one out, and we want you to hear it does make a difference and so when you order this Bible or when you buy Bibles and give them away it will make a difference so listen to this testimony
3: growing up I never really knew my father it was just me and my mom and we didn't exactly have a good relationship Um, my mom stayed addicted to drugs throughout her pregnancy with me and um, even as I was growing up she stayed messed up on drugs and alcohol all the time Um, I, and even as I got older, I would even get high with her. I can I can remember there were so many instances when she'd be so high or so drunk that she couldn't she couldn't even get herself cleaned up and get herself to bed. So I would have to do it for her. And I just eventually got so strung out and so depressed that that I started cutting myself and I got involved in witchcraft and and it got to the point where people didn't even want to be around me and um, I didn't have any friends and I was just really hard to be around. And um, so I told myself that I would be better off just taking my life. And I woke up one morning and I told myself that if nobody told me that they loved me that day, then I was just going to kill myself. And that day at school, a girl that I didn't know came rushing over to my locker and she handed me a Truth For Youth Bible and she said, Hey, Jesus loves you. You should read this. And as she said that, I remembered what I told myself that morning and I thought, well, I should probably read this. And by the time I finished reading the comics in the front, I thought, wow, she's right, Jesus really does love me. And there was even a comic in there that talked about the dangers of witchcraft in ways that I never even considered. And there was a page in Truth For Youth that showed me how to give my heart to Jesus. I just prayed and Jesus forgave me of my sins. And now I'm praying for my mom that God would show her the love that he has shown me and she would give her heart to the Lord.
1: What a testimony. If that doesn't give you the incentive to order a Truth For Youth Bible. I I don't know what will. What a
2: testimony, Alex. Amen. And just my heart was just breaking hearing a, a child talking about their parent getting high, them getting high together. And and let me just say this, Bert, uh, a lot of kids are under this stress. They have no self-esteem. They, they really feel hopeless. Folks, a uh, Giving a Truth for Youth Bible will present the gospel, very understandable how a child can know the Lord Jesus. And I, I just think of the wonderful years that a teenager will walk with Christ rather than spending years, maybe even decades, out in the world. And so we are honored. We do this every year. Um, I believe so strongly in Revival Fire's Tim Todd and the Truth For Youth Bibles. So, uh, Bert, would you give that phone number again and the website where people can put a Bible in the hand of one of America's young people?
1: Write this number down. Now, this is the number to call Truth For Youth Bibles, 833 574 1600. Let me say that again 833 574 1600, or you can visit truthforyouth.com. That's truthforyouth.com and order that Bible. We pray you will. What an opportunity it is, and we thank God for the opportunity AFR has to partner with Tim Todd and
2: Revival Fires. Amen. Well, Alex, Amen. with that, we want to go to the phone lines. Where to first? Well, it is Fire Away Friday. We take your questions all hour. We're going to begin in Mississippi. John in Mississippi, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you, sir. I really appreciate that. First of all, I, I really like listening to you guys on the radio. I try and get to the program every day. Uh, well, thank and when you. I'm at work, I'm trying to listen to you guys. i uh, got a couple questions. First, um, since... Adam never created
2: Did they have a belly button. You know, that's one of those things I just don't think we're going to know till we get to heaven. Uh, Bert, um, the, the belly button is the place where the umbilical cord got the nourishment from the mother, and from time immemorial when a child is delivered, the, the doctor or the midwife has tied off that belly button. Uh, since Adam was made from the dust of the ground, and then Eve was made from Adam's rib. Um, it's conceivable that they didn't, but God, in the spirit of aesthetics, because you know what, there is a symmetry to the human body, and it just, it does look right when the belly button is there. I don't know, Bert. I, I I just don't know. We don't know, but
1: you know, I'm I'm looking for humor. That's just one of my. Difficulties to overcome sometime, but I heard a guy say, "Yes, they have a belly button." When he made Adam, he punched him in the belly and said, "Done." And when he got through with Eve, he punched that one in the belly and said, "Done." Now I, we don't know, uh, John, and if you, if my humor offended anybody, get a life. <laughs> but anyway, we don't know. It's one of those things, and, and that's one of the reasons I'm so looking forward to heaven. Either we'll get that question answered or it will not matter. And so we we appreciate that so much. And we got lines open, so give us a call, triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero. 589 8840 Thank you, John. Jody in
2: Texas, welcome to Exploring the Word.
4: Hi. Um, I have a question, and I just want to preface it by saying there's, this question, there's no judgment, and I have hugely benefited from some just awesome women ministers. But the question comes up as, to whether women can be lead pastors at a church and I would just like I, I read some scripture on it. I understand uh, what the scripture says um, but I know that it's still done and so I thought maybe there's some different viewpoints on this and I just would like to get your take on it.
3: go
2: ahead Alex you're first this day. Uh, well let me just say that this was never even a question. Uh, prior to about 20 years ago uh, in first Timothy 3 really 1 through 13 there are there's some terms used that we connote with pastor senior pastor t- terms like elder and bishop and for really 2,000 years of church history this um, lead pastor elder bishop overseer episcopos uh, from which we get the word episcopal um, it was always male. In Titus chapter 1 and 1 Peter 5, um, Titus and Peter address the elders, shepherds over God's flock. Now, Bert, why is the order of leadership within the church important? First of all, I believe that um, we've got to remember it's Christ's church. It's not our church. And when God designated the church, you know. He says that a pastor or or a, a leader is to be the husband of one wife. Now, um, that and by the way, that's in First Timothy chapter three. Bert, prior to the sexual revolution of the sixties and the feminist revolution of the seventies. The it, it was never an issue. Women are definitely in ministry, women are gifted in so many ways in ministry. But the senior pastor role of a local church was always male. And it, it doesn't mean men are better, it doesn't mean that men are to subjugate women, um, but it means that God has a structure and an order. And just like the home. Is pictorial of the gospel. The order of the church is reflective of, of the Godhead and the order and structure. And so, one last thought, folks. There's a philosophy, and it has very much influenced the church in recent years, and it's a philosophy called egalitarianism, that everything must be equal. And there is also the assumption, and this is really born out of the Harvard professor derek bell the father of critical race theory who who set forth this idea that's very much an idea of karl marx that if there are ever distinctions necessarily those distinctions were imposed out of ill will and you know suppressing people and that's not the case when we say that the senior pastor is to be male for one thing that's that's simply new testament and if you assume um, it was done with malice and to suppress others, uh, you'll just have to take that up with God, because uh, he, you know, he bought the church with his own blood. He sets out the structure of how it's to be run. And Bert, um, all of the social changes in the world—they're never going to change what the New Testament says. And this. God knows my heart, this is not against females, it's not misogyny or chauvinism, but the senior pastor role is irrevocably male because that's how God ordained it, and I just don't think we should roll over and cave in to the changing whims of culture.
1: Amen. And, and there's just one thing that you said that I want to just say amen. The New Testament declares it. <clears throat> that is the word, and that is sufficient regardless of all the other when you see the qualifications and guidelines, it is a male that is the senior pastor. With that in mind, we had someone call and ask a recommendation for a young ladies Bible study. A young ladies, let me just say this. You can go online. If you find something from Priscilla Shire, Priscilla Shire, go with it. If you find something from K. Arthur, go with it. Now, there's others, but I want to tell you, Priscilla and K. Alex, every time I've heard them, or read them, they knocked the ball out of the park. Now, there's others, aren't they?
2: Oh, absolutely, but there's some good ones out there, and you mentioned those. So, folks, this is Exploring the Word. We're going to come back with much, much more. The number, 888-589-8840. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this brief break. I can't count the times I've
4: called your names from broken night And you showed up and patched me
2: up like you do every time. There is no way God has ever let us down. Boy, that's for sure. Well, welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here on the American Family Radio Network. And I want to say a big thanks to Brent Austin helping with our Facebook page. We, Bert, we're getting more and more Facebook followers, and uh, we appreciate that. And we appreciate how you uh, share this program with friends. And just God bless you. We we do have Brent post stuff, and apparently it touches a lot of A lot of people, and we we give God the glory for that, don't we? We do.
1: Matter of fact, he put something on that I do, the chronological order in the Old Testament in 11 books. That doesn't mean the rest of the books are not important. It just means all those other books, are they took place and were written during the period of time that the 11 books take place. And uh, Brent said we'd had several comments needing explanation, and what was going on? Why wasn't Leviticus there? Well, Leviticus is is instructions, and and I would say order, but it took place during a period of time when when Exodus and Numbers were the new, that was the chronological book. So anyway, hope that helps people. Go ahead, Alex.
2: Well, we're going to go to Ohio, Gary in Ohio. Thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word.
4: Hello, it's good to hear you call me back.
2: Well, uh, thank you for being a listener. Um, What's your question today, Gary? Well, uh, two boys were born,
4: and uh, one, uh, the older one, wasn't circumcised, and the second one was circumcised, and there was controversy in later years, and uh, the question was, why? Why? Why Are you talking about
2: Ishmael and Isaac? Circumcision, circumcision, and uh, why was one
4: boy circumcised and the other one wasn't?
2: Uh, that, that was Isaac, wasn't it, Bert? I, I was wondering who Gary was talking about.
1: Do you have the names, Gary? I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking
5: about my family.
1: Okay, okay. I was wondering. That's the reason I needed clarity. Hey, uh... I don't know, <laughs> Alex. Uh, <clears throat> that's a Jewish uh, a promise. It was a sign of God's promise to the male child, and all of them were to be circumcised as Jews. As far as Gentiles, that's not on the. That's not even on the table unless it's medical, right?
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah, and you know, circumcision has become a, you know, a practice worldwide for largely hygiene, but in terms of uh, Genesis 17 and Genesis 20, uh, it's interesting, um, all the sons of Abraham, except Isaac, uh, were the fathers of the Arabic nations, and they, in, in Arabic cultures, the sons are circumcised at about 12 or 13. Isaac was the first one ever circumcised on the eighth day of his life, and of course Isaac was the son of of the covenant. God made a covenant uh, that related to the promise, the the Abrahamic covenant, that God would send the Savior, that uh, everywhere their foot treads, that would be their land, and God would send the Messiah, and all the nations of the earth would be blessed. So while for the rest of the world, circumcision has really physical, and maybe cultural significance, really only for the Jewish people does circumcision have spiritual significance, and it was really the um, almost the, the, the symbol, just like a wedding ring shows marriage. This showed that the Jewish males were believing in this Abrahamic covenant that the Messiah would one day come. So we're, we're children of Abraham and children of Isaac, if we believe in this Messiah that did come, the Lord Jesus Christ—interesting question—and uh, I'm sure we'll have much more, uh, many more interesting questions. We're going to go to Tennessee, Ron, uh, in Tennessee. Welcome hey. to Exploring the Word.
0: Uh, good afternoon. I'm listening on WUIA Lakeside, Chattanooga. Oh um, man! Right. My question is about. My question is about British Israelism. Now, before you tell me that. Uh, Herbert W. Armstrong and the Worldwide Church of God is a cult or a partial cult that may be. Uh, there's some controversy in that. One thing that Herbert W. Armstrong promoted while he was alive was the lost Ten tribes of Israel being uh, migratory and populating the uh, nations of Europe. So um, I'm doing some research on what is Gog and Magog, which of course takes you to the table of Nations, Genesis 6, uh, Genesis 10, right? the table of nations right. which tells where everybody split up from noah's ark and became uh, their own independent country so when you follow um the flags and heraldry which kind of indicate you know where uh, a, a people came from as well as linguistics language is important too to tell where uh, there are little tell signs of where certain people come from but uh I want to know, what did you think or what do you say regarding the possibility, like Herbert W. Armstrong was saying, about, uh, for example, the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh becoming Britain and France and Spain?
1: Okay, thank you, Ron. Just let me share with you. Let's go back and give a little bit of the biblical history. In 722, the northern country, which was Israel and called Israel, the 10 tribes that made that up, Uh, Syria came in and basically, they did not take them captive, quote, they came in and dispersed them. So yes, they did go somewhere, they really did, and did they lose their identity? God knows who they are, because when we look at Revelation, we talk about those 12 tribes, now, following that to where they went to, Alex, uh, there's got to be some imagination in that, uh, and I know Ron mentioned linguistics and heraldry, but still, it, it is a stretch to say specifically. Am I off target there?
2: Yeah. Um, le- let me say this, that um, when we, a few years ago, we did one of our Truth for New Generation conferences in um, new haven connecticut and had hundreds of students from yale come out well i met a pastor there and i need to reconnect with him i had him on the radio some years ago and he was herbert w armstrong's assistant and was deeply steeped he and his wife both in the worldwide church of god and it you know it it was he that told us about what a a uh, cultic environment. It was not only theologically wrong, but um, just really psychological pressure. And when Herbert W. Armstrong died, they waited f- for like four or five days, thinking he would resurrect, and then he didn't. And but anyway, long story short, this particular pastor, who um, I've got his contact info, I'll get him back on if if we feel led to do that. Um, he and his wife both became truly born-again Christians, and he is a Baptist pastor in Connecticut now. But here, here's my point. Um, there there are the, quote, lost tribes of Israel. This is really some of the teaching that came in the aftermath of the Second Great Awakening. Bert, in the middle 19th century, there was... Um, Uh, an awakening for sure in the times of like D.L. Moody and Charles G. Finney. But many of the cults, whether it be Christian Science or the Jehovah's Witness or the LDS Church, and yes, this idea of British Israelism that um, the Jewish people became the population groups on the continent of Europe. These were all some of the things that came about in the 19th century that not only were they not supported by by the Bible, they weren't supported by history, and um, let me just say, um, no, no serious scholar of history or the Bible believes in this. The Jewish people are back in their land, um, and the land is not Britain; it's the land of Israel. And so, I just, I, I would say, don't put a lot of stock in that. Well, let but me let me anyway. add this
1: real quickly uh, to finish the story: the southern tribe, which was Judah. They were not dispersed everywhere. They were taken captive and kept their identity there in Babylon, and God told them to prosper there and stay there, and then they came back, and that's part of the last two books that I talk about. Their chronological order is Ezra and Nehemiah, and they come back to build the temple and to rebuild the wall, and that identity was kept where the 10 tribes, northern tribes, many of them, I believe, melted in to the to Judah. You know, I really do believe that, Alex. When I say sure. melted in, they became others, they dispersed. So you can identify the Jews that are in Israel. We can look at their history, keep up with their history. With the 10 tribes, it, 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 you can't.
2: Go ahead, Alex. Well said. Terry in Kentucky, welcome to the program. Thanks for holding. This is Terry. Yes, you're on. Welcome.
5: Oh, okay, I wanted to be sure that was me. Um, first off, I want to thank you, Brother Alex and Brother Burt. It's very evident to all of us out here in radio land that you men are in God's Word. You're on your knees. You share God's Word with us daily, and you preach and teach to us. And I just want to thank you for that. I look forward all day long to hearing this program, and even when one of you are on uh, Today's issues or something else, men. We love to hear you there too. So thank you both. And even when one of us out here call in and we don't agree with you, or 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 maybe the word don't agree with us, you say it with such kindness and love that hey, it almost makes us hey, we're happy we disagreed so we could hear your answer, <laughs> and and you do it in a biblical way. And uh, thank you both. But my question. Is uh, Calvinism? I don't know much about Calvinism. Uh, I what I know is what God's Word says about whosoever will may come, and I stand on that. I believe God's Word. Uh, I've got two members of my family that's drifting off. They're not calling it Calvinism, but they're leaning on that kind of teaching, and they've come to me about it. Uh, it's two of my sons actually, and they're godly men. They love the Lord. But uh, can you talk to us a little bit about God has chosen some, but he hasn't chosen others? Uh, I don't believe that at all, but talk to us about that just a little bit, if you don't mind.
1: Terry, thank you. Thank you for your comments. And Alex and I want to say, we pray for that. We want to be a person that does answer the question with meekness and fear. That means we want to be courageous to say God's word, but we want to be caring and loving in doing so, and uh, I pray that we will. Let me say this about this, and Adrian Rogers, we already got him one time this week. Let's do it hmm. again, Alex. He talked about Calvinism taught to the point of of God choosing who goes to heaven and then who goes to hell. He would say that's not biblical predestination. That That is is something other than that called fatalism. And uh, we don't know exactly how it all works together, Terry. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I want to tell you, I don't think anybody could believe in it anymore. But I also see in the Bible, and you've already quoted it, the accountability of man. And somehow in God's economy, in God's sovereign will, those work together with God. God knowing who and choosing, but at the same time, man choosing and having, I'm going to go ahead and say the word, free will to choose. The Bible kind of makes that plain, and Dr. Rogers would use this verse, that scripture, Alex, it says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times I would have taken you under my wings as a mother hen takes her chicks, but you would not.
2: Sounds like a choice to me. Yeah. Terry, thanks for the question. And let me be very clear. Um, whoever believes in Jesus is saved. I mean, that's 1 John 5, 1. Uh, the Word of God says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And when the Bible says, whosoever will may come, I believe it means whosoever will may come. Now, let me just say this. Um what I'm about to say, I'm only speaking for myself and for anybody that would consider yourself a Calvinist. Um, in no way do I want to alienate you or demonize you. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. But, Bert, um, some of the, as I see it, and I, I, look, I grew up Presbyterian. I grew up among very strict Calvinists. And um, they, I was taught growing up that. There are some elect and some non-elect, and God knows who the elect are, and the non-elect are irrevocably bound for hell, and somehow God's sovereign choice to create some of the human race merely to deem them condemned, that sh- he flexes his providential muscles, if you will. And what they would say is this, and folks, just hang with me for a second here... There is the assumption among Calvinists that if man exercises faith, in other words, if you choose to put your trust in Jesus, somehow that diminishes God's power because you have, um, you've done a work to get saved, you've, you know, exercised faith. Now, here was the conundrum that I found myself in when I was 21 years old, and I, I was born again through a Bible study when I was in college. Um, the, I said this, how is it that the elect took no role in accepting Christ, but the non-elect were blameworthy for having rejected Christ? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Now, yeah. All of this relates, and I'll be very quick, Romans 8:29. Romans 8:29 says those whom he, God, foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. See, if you're born again, one day you're going to get a glorified body. Doesn't mean God predestined you to be saved or lost. But it means if you have accepted Christ and you're born again, it's a guarantee you're going to be preserved and ultimately gl- glorified in God's presence one day. I'm not a Calvinist.
1: Hey, we're gonna be back. Stay tuned. It's just like Jesus to
6: give me strength when I need it. Hope when I cannot see it,
1: when I'm to pieces. Amen. He you know, according to, to Romans, he gives more grace and he gives it when we need it desperately. And I know this weekend many of you'll make your way to your churches and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray you will and uh you'll hear the Word of God proclaimed and you'll praise the Lord in song and and in testimony. We pray you
2: have a great great
1: weekend this 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 that week Alec, where did we go
2: to first uh going to go to Texas uh Jeremiah in Texas welcome to exploring the word.
5: Oh hi. Um so first off I wanna say thank you for what you guys do. I appreciate having uh how you guys try to explain everything biblically and you take questions. uh my question uh was in Revelation when they're talking about the hundred forty four thousand and they break down twelve thousand from each tribe. Why the tribe of Dan was replaced?
1: Okay, mm-hmm. Jeremiah, thank you for that call. Alex, uh, we've gotten that call before, and and this is what's neat about this, Jeremiah. Uh, We have people that come on later. They don't hear an episode, but you're not the only one that wondered about that. Alex, do we know where they are?
2: We don't really know. We don't know, do we? But we have a hint of
1: why not. They they were kind of corrupt there more so than a lot of the others, weren't they?
2: Well, that's true. The Bible tells us in Judges 18 that they got involved into very severe idolatry. And they, didn't, they, they fought about the land that they had been allotted, and um, they built a city other than what the land God had given them was. So here's the thing. Um, because of their idolatry and immorality and just really being a, a, a problematic tribe, Some think that, based on a few Old Testament passages, that the Antichrist will come from the remnants of the tribe of Dan, you know? Um, In Genesis 49, 17, it says, Dan is a serpent in the way, a viper by the path. And uh, Deuteronomy, uh, let me just say, Genesis 49, Deuteronomy 33, and Jeremiah 8, have some not terribly complimentary things to say about the people of Dan, and so maybe uh, because and they married into pagan Gentile peoples, they they fizzled away spiritually and um, existentially, and maybe because the Antichrist is probably going to be half Jew, um, I'm just going to say it. There there were some of the reformers that felt like the Antichrist would be. A homosexual that was of the lineage of Dan
1: you know when I I hear that and uh, you know one of the 12 tribes I couldn't think except Judas is carry it. Uh, mm-hmm. he fell. you know he fell and then they had to quote replace him by Matthias and so the Bible demonstrates that it again and again out of the select there's one that it's really not real and for Judas he is a demon from the beginning and it seemed like Dan all the way through their scene, even in the prophecy concerning him, there was this thing of of being corrupt, Alex. And so I think them not being listed in Revelation demonstrates that.
2: Uh, uh, very significant, very significant. Uh, Ken in Kansas. I'm going to be in Wichita, Kansas in September. Ken, welcome to the program.
4: Well, thank you, Alex.
2: I hope we get to see you. <laughs> Uh, amen. I'll, I'll give the date and the place as we get closer. That sounds like a plan. Hey, thanks you guys for everything that you
4: guys do. Um, on the previous caller that uh, asked about the the Reformed uh, ideology, doesn't, isn't there a verse in the Bible somewhere that says that it is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance?
2: Yes. God is not willing that any should perish and that's why and that's second Peter three nine by the way that's why he over and over says whosoever will may come
1: and and listen this does not diminish God's power okay right I, that's that it it sounds like some they'll take it from us oh you you're lessening God no we're not lessening God I think we're putting God in the proper place that he can do what he said in Romans eight twenty eight. he takes all things and works them for good. And then what you said in verse 29, Alex, about being conformed to the image of Christ, God works, even in our choices, God's sovereignty is demonstrated in his purpose. So anyway, I, I just want to say that. So thank you for that comment. Go ahead, Ken. I appreciate
4: that. The question I had was we have a 40-year-old daughter who, when she was young, between the ages of 4 and 10, asked the Lord into her heart a couple of different times, and then a few years later was really insistent on being baptized in a lake. Um, Then when she came to be about 17 or 18, she just started, you know, turning her back on the Lord to the point where today she's a 40-year-old who is totally into the universe and the energy and totally anti-Christ. And the question involves eternal security and the seal of redemption. Um, Do we have any hope at all that because she accepted the Lord as a child that she may be saved in spite of herself?
1: Okay, Ken, first of all, we'll pray for your daughter, and we're going to take time to do that. And I'm not flippant when I say this. Only God knows the heart of your daughter. And uh, there's, you know, The Bible does not teach continual backsliding. It does not. It talks about even Solomon, Alex. We've talked about Solomon, how his heart was turned away. Sounds like the way that Ken's daughter's heart was turned away. But at the end, we find out in the book of Ecclesiastes, there was this restoration of his commitment to the Lord. We're praying that for Ken's daughter, aren't we?
2: Well, we really are, and of course, there's that very famous verse, Proverbs 22, 6, Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now, we know from the training up of a child to the when they are old, sometimes there's a long, sometimes decades of interval in between there. Only God knows another person's heart. Bert is right. I will say this, Bert, I, I know so many testimonies of Of parents that that I've interviewed for hundreds of books and people that um, the stories of prodigals coming back are so numerous and um, it it is concerning and and we do need to pray and intercede but Bert I will say I've seen it many times Uh, a decision made as a child will bear fruit years later after even sadly Though somebody like a prodigal has been away from God for years, they'll come back. Amen. Amen. So we're wanting to
1: pray. And and Ken, we'll pray. Continue in that relationship with her. Continue to love her. Uh, you know, don't have to preach, but stand strong where you are and uh, have those conversations and stand on truth and love. And we're going to pray for her. Father, I thank you for Ken. Uh, Father, for his heart, that it just, it, you could hear it in his voice that his love for his daughter, I pray for her right now, wherever she might be, that you would just work in her life. May your Holy Spirit come and, and just draw her to yourself. May, may she be surrounded by some friends that are godly and are Christian that would challenge her in a loving way of what she is following and where she's going. And, Father, we pray that you would do that work and that you would, when we're faithless, you remain faithful. And I pray for Ken, that you would give him that hope that she will come and be right with you, regardless if she hadn't been saved yet or if she's saved and wayward. Father, we pray Mm. for that restoration. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen. Amen. Good prayer, Bert. Michael in Tennessee. Michael, thanks for holding. Welcome to the program. Hi, guys. I want to say thank y'all
4: for everything y'all do. I really appreciate everything y'all do. You just point us in the right direction, no matter what it is. Um, It's an off-the-wall question. And I don't know where to look in the Bible, and that's why I called. You know, half uh, or a third of the angels went with the devil when God sent him away. Is that our modern-day demonic spirits, or, or are they just in hell? Okay. That was my question.
1: Thank you, Michael. Alex, we don't know exactly this question. We know some are demons that are working, but it seems like there's some some that are held in hell in uh they're there now and yeah. they're limited. Uh and I don't know if it's a sign to those that are not what's waiting on them or not. Have you heard it that way, or do you think they're all demonic spirits with none in hell?
2: Well, um, by the way, great call. Uh Revelation 12, 4 talks about Satan when he was cast out of heaven, swept uh, the tail of the dragon, swept a third of the stars, and I'm going to be very brief, but it it basically has been understood that the serpent, Satan, when he fell, a third of the angels fell with him. Now, Second Peter two four, Second Peter two four, talks about some of the fallen angels are in hell, secured in chains of darkness. Now, the word there is the word tartarus which is the only time in the new testament that word appears there's some other gehenna and hell but the word tartarus now why are many of of the one-third of the angels that fell with lucifer most are loose in the world they're demons why are some currently held in chains they're in jail uh, but they're going to be loose during the tribulation burt now, this is speculation. You feel free to disagree. But there there are really almost hierarchies of angels, archangels like Michael and Gabriel. And maybe of some of the angels that fell, some might be so powerful that God had to put them in angelic jail, if you would. And part of the judgment during the seven-year tribulation, when it's going to be so so bad here on planet earth i believe the church is going to get raptured out maybe those second uh, peter 2 4 those angels that are held in chains in a, a realm called tartarus and they're going to get released during the tribulation maybe they're some of the fiercest most powerful demons that if they were released now it would just be more evil than what the world yeah. even is or is that uh, am i a, speculating too much uh, the spec, It
1: is not sure, but it it really, when you put scriptures upon scripture, that's it. Because, Alex, we know some are reserved. That is a given. We know others are loosed, and they're demonic spirits. And so the reasons were, yes, a demonstration of what's awaiting them, but also reserved for a release at a certain time at that problem because of that. We know there's demonic structure. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about that in Ephesians. Yes, we have that. And that would sound really uh,
2: a great possibility that I believe would be true, Alex. Mm, it's a great question. But you know what? Uh, we don't know everything about the unholy spirits, but we do know the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Praise God! And And he, and, and he wins,
1: <laughs> by the way. Praise
2: God. Praise the Lord. All right. Larry in Ohio, welcome to Exploring the Word
6: hi gentlemen thank you for having me on god bless you and greetings from ohio and god bless all people that are listening to you well thank you i have a uh, a comment and a question uh my comment is is uh people have been saying that they're upset that the bible has been taken out of the schools out of the school system and actually i'm kind of glad it has because from what i've seen going on in the schools I'm glad those people aren't teaching our children their opinion of the Bible. Mm. Um, I'd rather keep that at home. And my question is um, about canonization of the books of the Bible and exactly what that means. Um, My wife asked me about that uh, the other night, and all I could come up with was uh, a bunch of old guys a couple thousand years ago, got a warm, fuzzy feeling uh, about certain books and decided they'd be put in the Bible. So okay. if you've got a, yeah.
1: <laughs> a Larry, better definition, yeah. we'd like that. Now, Alex is going to do, Let me say something about your uh, comment about Scripture. Comments on Scripture is different than reading the Scripture. If If the Word of God could be read, just read, in, in the Bible, uh, in the classrooms. I want to tell you, the Word of God is effective. It would go forth, and it would accomplish. I remember being in school. I'm old enough to be there, and scriptures were read. The teacher didn't do a lesson on it. They just read it, and it had its place, and it was powerful. Alex, go ahead with a canonization. This will probably be the, only, the last call. We just got about two minutes left, brother. Go ahead.
2: Mm. Well, you know, one of the great books on this uh, is by F. F. Bruce, uh, and it's called the Canon of Scripture. And F. F. Bruce was a great scholar, and the book won a lot of awards. But there were tests for canonicity. Um, I-, I like what um, one writer said, that men or the church, quote-unquote, didn't choose the canon. The church recognized the canon that God had given. And some of the tests for canonicity, and this happened within the first 200 years of the early church now let me just say the new testament as every one of us has it was known and recognized within about 30 to 50 years after completion of the book of revelation but eventually uh the church recognized uh, all right here was the thing was the book was the new testament canon written by an apostle somebody who had been with jesus or had seen the risen jesus uh... did it affirm the gospel and christ it christologically was it um... did it show the power of god and bring people to salvation and was it affirmed by the church at large and there were books that were shown to be non-canonical and that they're not lost books it's just the church recognized they weren't of god now the old testament canon that's not in question whatsoever But of those 27 New Testament books Bert, I believe And scholars for 19 centuries Have concurred These are the books given by God That are supposed to be in our Bible
1: Amen, if God can give it God preserves it and collects it Hey, by the way, Truth for Bible Week It is great 833 574 Or truthforyouth.com Ask for that Bible today Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word